How are you guys doing? Good to be here. I was thinking about that communication. Communication is hard sometimes. Sometimes you, uh, in church world, there's a lot of people and a lot of things going on. And, and uh, we realize sometimes after the fact that we probably could have done a better job communicating. And so we're really trying to streamline this as much as possible. I was reminded even this morning, there were some key things that I should have communicated to some other people that didn't happen and it's a bummer, but we're trying to do our best here. So we thank everyone for your patience. But um, if you haven't signed up for the text notification service, please do. We just need your permission to add you to the list. We will do our best not to inundate you with unnecessary communication. But from time to time, uh, usually ends up being a few times a month, we'll end up sending out a message, a reminder about a prayer meeting or a change in plans or stuff like that. So we... Uh, we want to respect your time, and one of the best ways to do that is to have effective communication. So thank you so much. If you guys have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to the book of James, chapter 3. When I uh, was aware that I was going to be speaking this morning, I instantly, when you find out you're going to be preaching, okay, you start kind of going, okay, what am I supposed to talk about, Lord? And my default a lot of times when I'm unsure of what to communicate or whatever, I, I kind of have this tendency just through my personal experience, I, I like to talk about prayer. And uh, not that um, I have uh, a great prayer life. I think there's lots of room for me to grow in my personal prayer life. But I, I find the subject of prayer very important, but it's also a very empowering subject. And so I was, gonna, I was starting to prepare a message on prayer. While I'm praying about the message, I kind of was unsettled, like this isn't really what I'm supposed to talk about. So I woke up the other morning and I had James chapter 3 on the mind. Uh, how many of you have a, a, a time during the day when your thoughts are clearer and you have a better you know, perspective and understanding what it is you're supposed to do, right? How many of you are morning people? Yeah, I'm morning. Some of you, are, how many of you are grumpy morning people? I'm not a grumpy more. I get grumpier as the day goes on. So if you really want to know the good Scott, just catch me before 9 a.m. And uh, but but in all seriousness, I you know there's a time that I think sometimes in the morning before the day gets busy, I find if I will just be quiet before the Lord, um, I think I can hear Him a little bit better. I think you know the psalmist said, David said in the 139th Psalm that the thoughts that the Lord has towards us. Uh, should he number them, would be vaster than the sand on the seashore. So the Lord has a lot that he wants to communicate to us. And I think the fact that God would say anything to us is pretty incredible. But that he has a lot to say to us is even more amazing. And I want to be sensitive to what the Lord has to say to me. I think hearing from God is one of the great benefits of uh, being a child of God, is hearing his voice to us. And um, he's our great shepherd. How many of you are thankful for our great shepherd? He cares so much about us. He cares deeply. And so James, James chapter 3 was on my radar the other morning when I woke up. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about this. And, and uh, this is a little bit of a challenging message um, because it's personal in our lives and uh, can have an aspect of just a sense of kind of a readjustment, maybe a, a little course correction for some of us. Um, but let me get started here. Let's, let's pray, actually. Lord, we, we need your help. Lord, we love you. We just sang about your great love for us, and we want to love you like you love us. You love us with everything, all of your heart, all of your being. God, we want to love you the same way, and uh, we want to respond well to you. 
We want to follow your leadership in our lives. Lord, we know that you are the good shepherd, and Lord, that you have good plans for us. And I, I pray that, God, we would just give us a heart today, renew our, just a grace, the grace of God in our lives, Lord, to serve you with all of our hearts, Lord, in all that we say and do, in Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, says this, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. You know, sometimes Jesus said some really uncomfortable things to people, right? I don't know how well I would do if Jesus was looking me in the eye and called me a brood of vipers. That'd be pretty tough to hear, huh? Okay, am I the only one? Okay, all right. Come on, work with me. Work with me here. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's a heavy scripture. We need to allow the word of God to sober us. In Isaiah chapter 6, before I share Isaiah chapter 6 with you, I want you to understand there's this uh, the major prophet of the Old Testament. There's three major prophets, uh, Isaiah Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah uh, is, had the most content of prophecy in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, and specific messianic prophecy where Isaiah was used by the Lord um, hundreds of years before the first advent of Christ to predict his first coming. Also spoke some of his second coming, but the famous chapter in Isaiah 53 which is a clear testimony of the nature of the suffering servant who Jesus was going to be. And so the Lord used Isaiah significantly uh, as a testimony of what was to come, especially in predicting the life of Christ that was going to come. He's going to be as a lamb that was led to slaughter. So that when this actually happened, we can say this is who was prophesied about, and it confirms, it validates the gospel message because it was so many Old Testament scriptures were fulfilled uh, through the life of Christ, specifically through prophetic utterance that was given to Isaiah. But before Isaiah spoke the word of the Lord, he had an encounter with God. And I want you to pay attention to the nature of his encounter with the Lord. And he finds himself in the presence of the Lord. Now, we know that God's omnipresent. He's everywhere always. You know, the psalmist said, if I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, he is there. If I 
move to the other side of the sea, the Lord is there. He'll meet with me. If we show up at a 9 a.m. Sunday morning worship service, the Lord will meet us here. But the sense of Isaiah being in the presence of the Lord that we're going to read about in chapter 6 of Isaiah is profound. And it's not just, uh, it's, a, it's a consuming experience in the presence of the Lord. And while he's there, he's, you can read in the first uh, several verses of chapter 6 that he's in the presence of the Lord. He's beholding the glory of the Lord. And the first revelation that Isaiah has when he's before the Lord, I want you to pay attention to this revelation that he has, this revealing of his awareness of his need before the Lord. How many of you know we all have need before God? It says this, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the host. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, and when he had taken it from the altar, this is the altar of God in the very presence of the Lord with tongs, he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. I think one of the key things, you and I being ambassadors for Christ, representatives of the Lord in this time, in this place in history that we find ourselves, is that we have to understand that God wants to speak through our mouths. The Lord wants to use us to advance the kingdom of God through the way that we speak, and the way that we communicate, and the way that we interact, the way that we address challenges of the day. The Lord wants to use that. And so for the prophet Isaiah, who the Lord knew God wanted to use, he had a plan for Isaiah's life, and he said, but before I Fill your mouth with my word. I need to deal with something. I need to address your unclean lips. And so Isaiah 6 is about this. And uh, he has this awareness. He's like, man, I have not been good with what I've been saying out of my mouth. How many of you have gotten in trouble because of things that have come out of your mouth? Okay, some of you are in trouble right now because you're denying it. <laughs> and, and, I get in trouble. My words get me in trouble. My wife and kids have a front row seat to this in my life. And sometimes I say things that I know I don't need to be saying and I shouldn't communicate. And, uh, you know, the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And so this idea that God cares about what we say needs to sober us. In Proverbs 18.21, it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And, uh, you know, this is important to us. You know, in my line of work that I do, I'm an associate pastor, and it's a privilege to get to do what I do. And I feel like, you know, God made me for this purpose. I, I'm faced almost daily with... Uh, the different circumstances and needs that people are facing in their lives. And some of them are great challenges, challenges that I don't understand, challenges I could not imagine personally going through. And as someone who wants to represent the Lord well to people, I want to be careful in the way I help people 
you know, and encourage them, hopefully try to be an encouragement to them uh, as they navigate the different challenges that they face. And, uh, and so it's, it's really, uh, I want to be careful and I want to kind of be, you know, a lot of times before I go to a meeting or I go to have coffee with somebody or something like that, I just, I try to take a minute and just pray and I ask the Lord, God, would you please guide our communication and help us to stay on point and talk about what you want us to talk about, whatever that may be. Because the Lord's concerned, he loves people and he wants to advance his kingdom, but we kind of, he's called us to like dynamic partnership with him. And he gives us grace to do that. Have you ever had a time where you were talking to someone or you'd had a conversation with someone and then maybe a few minutes, a few hours, a few days later, in an entirely other context, another conversation, that subject comes up again, and you thought, wow, that must have been the Lord. You had those types of experiences in your life that you've, you've kind of sensed that God was in what was being communicated. Have you ever had those times? And uh, maybe you're thinking about somebody, or you're talking to somebody, a, a family member or something, and, and, uh, and then you get a phone call out of the blue, or something like that happens. You're like, man, I was just talking about this, and this person called. And so it's just this idea that the Lord wants to uh, be involved in our communication. Proverbs 15, 28 says this, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledgeable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. So these are things that we need to consider uh, in our communication. And you know, with so much negative media that saturates our lives, it's easy for us to adopt a negative uh, speech pattern in our life. How many of you guys have struggled with that? And uh, it, it's easy to do. I find myself in it many times. Even though I'm aware, I need to be careful. I don't want to just, uh, I don't want to promote the devil's agenda. I actually want to serve the Lord and help to promote his agenda and his plan and purpose. And so one of the best ways to do that is just to be careful in how we communicate. And Jesus said that our words will actually defile us. And the word defiled, uh, a lot of it just means that you become a place where you've lost being useful because of the way that you speak. And I, I don't want to become useless to the Lord. I mean, I know that God can change me and he'll forgive me just like he forgave Isaiah, but I have to do my part in that and I need to live like with a surrendered mouth to the Lord. And this is, this is big. If you go back maybe after the message today and you get some time maybe later on today or this evening, I want to encourage you to read all of James chapter 3. And uh, James really dials in on the importance and significance of our speech pattern in our life and the way that we communicate and talk. I have been in hospital rooms where people were hanging literally the balance between life and death. And I, I, I've seen family members and who maybe didn't know the Lord or they didn't see any way out of it just resigning to the fact 
saying, this person, standing next to this person, this person's going to pass away. And, uh, and yet, I'm sitting there going, but I believe God still heals. How many of you believe that God still heals? And, but that we have to kind of contend for that. Scripture teaches that we have not because we ask not. And so I, I don't have all the answers why not, why not everyone is raised up off their sickbed. But I do know that the way we address these issues when they come into our life is really uh, influential in the overall outcome. And uh, years ago, my, my wife's uh, step-grandpa, he was, uh, he was sick and uh, with cancer and I had been on an out-of-state trip, and we had gotten word that he had taken a turn for the worse, and we needed to go to the hospital to see him. And so while we're at the hospital, there's a lot of family there, and uh, the general consensus was he's not going to make it. And, and for whatever reason, I'm just like, I had a hard time accepting that. And I thought, man, we just need to pray, and let's believe for God's best here. Instead of speaking death, can we speak life in this situation? And you say, well, Scott, you're avoiding the inevitable. We're all going to die one day. I get that. But if it's not our time, can we pray and hopefully see a different outcome affected by our prayer? You know, God works through our prayer. If he didn't work through our prayer, why would he call us to pray? Prayer matters. It makes a difference. And so the Lord wants us to pray about these things. And so long story short, there was a couple of us we got together and we just decided we were going to respond. We were being a little bit feisty, maybe. We, were, we decided we're going to respond in the opposite spirit. And so we just took a minute and we prayed that God would raise up Grandpa Carl in the name of Jesus. And we prayed, amen. Okay, we're going home. We got to go home. So we go home and uh, we find out the next day we're kind of, you know, how's this going to play out? What's going to happen? We find out the next day that he had actually taken a turn for the good and was actually raised up and able to be sent home from the hospital, lived a couple more years. And uh, it was just a fascinating situation. I thought, wow, it's so interesting. You know, the power of life and death really is in the tongue, and, uh, and it matters. And, uh, you know, the enemy is after our tongue. The enemy wants to speak through us. I don't have this scripture in my message. I probably should have included this in my preparation. Jesus has this experience in the gospels with the disciples in this place called Caesarea Philippi, which is on the north part of the Sea of Galilee. I've actually been there in Israel. And uh, Jesus is asking his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? Everybody's kind of figure out who he is. He's this guy of unusual character and nature, performing signs and wonders and miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. Isn't Jesus amazing? Jesus is incredible. And so there's just all these people are speculating who this guy is. And some say he's John the Baptist come from the dead. Some say he's Elijah. And then one of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, speaks up, Simon. And he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus responds to Simon's words. And he says, you're right. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He said, uh, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has shown you this is the truth. I am the Messiah. I'm the Son of God who has come to save the world from the sin. So this is a great exchange that happens. A few verses later, 
in this passage, Jesus starts talking about the fact that he's going to suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world. And Peter, who is offended at the thought that his friend, Jesus, and Savior is going to have to go through a difficult time and suffer, it's not acceptable to him. And so Peter comes up and kind of starts to rebuke Jesus. Stop talking that way. And, and, and all these things, and Jesus stops Simon Peter mid-sentence in his conversation, and he says to him, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> we we kind of like to joke around here, and we kind of push buttons, and we can be a little bit spry in our conversation in the foyer after church, but I'm pretty sure get behind me, Satan, has not happened in the foyer of the church. <laughs> Maybe one day. Some of you guys. No, but anyway. And what happened was Jesus speaks out to Simon. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you only have in mind the things of man, but not the things of God. So Simon's speaking out of this place of uh, not understanding the situation, trying to provide an alternate escape, if you will, or plan for Jesus's life and ministry. And Jesus rebukes Simon because he's not saying the right thing at the right time. As a matter of fact, if you study the Gospels, you'll find that Simon Peter, many times he found himself in situations where he was not saying the right thing at the right time, okay? And, uh, and I think there's just an important life lesson for us in this. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, I'm going to read a a story, a great miracle that happened in the life of Christ. And it says this, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave. Do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. The optimum part of that story I want to focus on is the centurion said to Jesus, just say the word. When God speaks, things happen. And the Lord wants to speak, if you will, through our lives. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you. You guys are a tough crowd today, man. Can you work with me a little bit? So just say the word. It's so amazing that the Lord wants to use our mouths to advance his kingdom purposes on the earth. It should encourage us. It should sober us. It should motivate us to just pray that 15-second prayer when we're getting out of the car, going into our next meeting or whatever it is, and just asking the Lord, God, would you guide my conversation? And the Lord's like, I'm glad you asked. I'd be happy to guide your conversation. And to somehow, in the 
the weakness of our little 15-second prayer in the name of Jesus, that gives the Lord this place of access to work through our life in a way that otherwise we would not have yielded ourselves to. And how many of you want to live with a yielded heart to God? I want to live with a yielded heart to God. I do. And uh, he's looking for that. You know, think about this. I'm kind of a, a statistics guy. I'm fascinated by numbers. I look at the fish count every day. How many more fish went up the Kenai River? You know, did you guys see Bristol Bay this year? 76 million sockeye salmon. What a blessing. Got over a million sockeye salmon have already come up the Kenai River. It's not even the end of today's the last day of July. Fascinating. I think what a special. You guys realize we live in a special place. I'm telling you guys, I grew up in New Orleans. We didn't have salmon in New Orleans. Like if you did, it was the grocery store. It was that Atlantic salmon that you don't want to eat, right? And I'm like, wow, what a special place. What a, and God spoke all this into existence. God told those salmon, it's your turn to go up the creek. And he sends them up there. I love that. We live in a fascinating place. God spoke all these things into existence. And, and uh, he tells those salmon what to do. I was on the river yesterday and I was with a fish guy, and he was just talking about the nature of, he was really preaching the gospel, he really was, but, but about the nature of, of how God works through the created order of things, and how things happen, and talking about the, the salmon run, it was just amazing to me, and, uh, and I think, you know what, God spoke the word, he told those salmon where to go, he told that salmon, thank God, to get on the end of my hook the other day, and I love that about the Lord. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I want you to think about that for a second. When so much of the ministry of Jesus on the earth and the Gospels was so contrary to what everyone else was saying, you know? And, and when people were tormented and with mental illness and all the different things that were going, all the stuff that was going on and the way that society and culture had just kind of resigned to the fact that it's just a bad, dark place that we live in, the Lord came and continually was demonstrating and advancing the kingdom of his heavenly Father through what he did. And, uh, and we are Christ ambassadors. We're called to represent the Lord that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know, Jesus is the Word of God. Think about creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth, and he said, let there be, and there was. That's how powerful God is. Our words, my wife says it this way, our words are containers of power. With our words, James says, we could bless our Lord, or we could curse men who are made in the likeness of God. And James says, those things ought not to be so. We need to, we need to surrender our speech fully to the Lord, and the Lord will do great things for it. You say, well, what, what do I need to say? Luke 12, 12 says this, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I find that to be true in my own life. God will give us speech if we will yield to him in that regard. Jesus said, Matthew 18, 19 through 20, again, I say to you that if two of you agree, how do we agree? We agree with our heart and our words. We agree with, with what's going on inside of us 
and we agree with the speech that comes out of our mouth. You agree on earth about anything they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. This is the power of the corporate prayer meeting. This is the power of where two or three people get together and they begin to pray over an issue or a circumstance and to see God work through that circumstance. I remember times talking about people. How many of you guys are guilty? Sometimes we talk about people and we shouldn't talk about people, right? We should pray for people. And when we were talking about this person and some of the struggles they were going through in life, this was back when I was in Wasilla, and we were just talking, they were going, man, they had made some bad decisions and they were going through a difficult time and we just kind of like stopped ourselves in our conversation. Like, you know what? We need to pray for this person and like really pray. So let's just take a minute and this person had moved outside of Alaska. We hadn't seen them in several months. And, uh, and we, so we just pray, Lord, would you help them? Would you remind them of your great love for them? How much you care about them? Would you draw them back to yourself? In the name of Jesus, amen. We pray and we kind of changed our course of conversation instead of just lamenting about poor decisions somebody had made in their life and prayed for that person that their heart would turn back to God. I kid you not. That same day or the next morning, out of the blue, this person contacted us and reached out to us. Tell me God does not hear our prayer. God hears our prayer, and he works through our prayer. He works through our speech patterns in our life. And so this is super important for us. Having a storehouse of God's word in our hearts, understanding the Bible is key to living a prepared life. When Jesus was tempted in his moment of trial in the wilderness, every time Satan came to him, Satan will come. He will tempt us. The tempter is still at work. How many of you guys know that? The tempter is at work today. And he will come and he will, he will attack you with thoughts of bitterness or unforgiveness or temptation maybe to go back to your past and mistakes that you had made in your past. And every time Jesus was faced with a temptation where Satan was tempting him, his response was, it is written. It is written. And he had a storehouse because he was raised in a Jewish family and he had filled his life with the word of God. And the Holy Spirit in those moments gave him what he needed to say so that he could move forward and overcome whatever temptation was coming his way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, there's no temptation which is common to man. Every one of us faces temptation, you and I, but God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape that we will be able to stand up under it. God is predisposed that we would not yield to temptation, but that we would overcome temptation. And the way that we overcome temptation is through the sword of the Spirit, i.e. the Word of God. I want to pray for you. Maybe just with your head bowed today, listen, this message preaches a lot easier than it lives. I understand. I'm a weak person who stumbles in what I say, just like James says. But I believe it's like the song we sang today, when we were God's foe, he still came for us because he loves us. And I believe God's heart for us today is just to re-engage in just the surrender of our speech to the Lord in what we say. And so I invite you just to open your heart right now and I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, 
I thank you for your people that are made in your likeness. Every one of us, we are image bearers of God. We are made in the image of God and that's how you made us. And we are called to reflect you to the world that we live in. And Lord, like Isaiah, we recognize that we are a people of unclean lips and we have unclean lips. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of speech patterns and things that have come out of our mouth that are contrary to your plan and your purpose. Lord, would you please forgive us? God, touch our heart. Lord, we want to we, we wanna live yielded and surrendered to you. And Lord, we know the tempter is tempting us all the time. It's trying to get us to buy into something. And Lord, you want to bless, you want to advance your kingdom. And so God, help us to know what to say. Holy Spirit, we invite you to give us those words to speak when it's needed. And Lord, that we wouldn't speak an idle word. Lord, we want to stand before you on that day with a clear conscience. Lord, that we have lived yielded to you. And we want to keep short accounts. Lord, when we blow it and we all blow it, that we would be quick to repent and just set our heart back on you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to remind us of this truth continually. And Lord, we pray the advance your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.